Hello, hello, hello. Uh, Dr. Rogers, what's going on, man? Hey, Ben. How are you? I am wonderful. We're going to let a few people uh, come in here. Hello, everybody. Uh, we are we are rocking and rolling today. Uh, we've got a great show uh, here lined up. Uh, a lot of great questions that came in throughout the week uh, that we're super appreciative of. Makes these shows uh, super fun. Just uh, a lot of fun for me and Dr. Rogers here. Uh, your day was okay? Had a great day. Great day. Thank you. All right. All right. We're going to let some people get in here before we get to the uh, start rocking. Uh, I see you, Mark. I see you, Sherry. How's it going? Bianca, Barbara, uh, how are you guys doing? So good to see you guys. Uh, thank you all for hanging out. If you're with us, say hello. Um, interacted with a, a few of you today over the over email. Um, hope, hopefully we'll see some of you guys uh, here during the live portion. Um, so just to let everybody know, the format is uh, we take questions throughout the week, and you send those either to uh, myself, Ben at performancemedicine.net, or info at performancemedicine.net, uh, or through any of our social channels. Uh, getting to quite a few on Instagram. Thank you for, uh, to all of our Instagram people. Um, hello, Jody. How's it going? Deborah, Tracy, how's it going? Uh, Marita, Moretta, I think it's Moretta. She's from Florida. Um, so good to see our Florida people in here. Karen, how's it going? Brandy, great to see you. Great to see you. Hello, Chad. Uh, Deandra, what's going on? So good to interact with, with you guys here as well as some of you on email. Uh, if you're not from uh, one of our areas, let us know. Uh, we'd love to, to, to uh, see where out of town people are. Um, all right, Doc. I'm gonna we're gonna put you on the spot. We got to get going. Seth, what's going right, on, man? Ben, ben, can you believe how many women show up on this thing? When I look at the names and then compared to men, women are just so much smarter than men. It's just it's just unfair, really. The women <laughs> well, are into it. They they're so much more health conscious and. Um, well, you, you know, know what? It's probably ninety percent women. You know. I would say I would say that Seth would disagree with you. Um, Seth is the first person to notice that I I'm clean shaven tonight. And, uh, and I appreciate that, Seth. Um, yeah. I just noticed myself. It does look good. <laughs> look a lot younger, you know, uh, Seth, a whole lot younger. You are a smart man, uh, to be in on, on, on this live chat, uh, taking care of your health. Uh, it seems, um, just like I'm trying to take care of my face. seems like I need to, to, to go see Jasmine over in Knoxville or, uh, Kelly over in Kingsport or jo Johnson City's where Kelly's at. Um, Edna, how's it going? Julie, how are you guys doing? Peggy, hello, hello. Karen, um, thank you everybody for being here. Um, we're going to be interacting with, with everybody throughout the, throughout the evening. Uh, it's a rainy day where I'm at, so this is, uh, there's no place I'd rather be uh, than doing this right here. So, Doctor, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and put you on the spot here. Let's go ahead and get started. Okay. All right. First question is, what is your opinion of taking the third booster shot of the COVID vaccine? Uh, do you think there is a potential conflict between the booster shot and the flu shot? And then there is a follow-up with um, how much time should you allow between them if you choose to take both? That's a great question. I'm sure a lot of people are thinking about it. Yeah, that's a good question. Somebody asked me that same question today in my office. Um, and this was an elderly person who really, you know, has some risk factors for COVID and did okay on the first two shots. Um, had not had COVID. So I told him, you know, 
I'm okay if they're okay with getting the booster shot. Um, uh, but, you know, again, um, for people that have had COVID, you don't need any shot, in my opinion. You don't need any booster shot for sure. You don't even really need the first two shots. But um, certainly if you're, a, if you're a healthy person under 30, you, you don't need a booster shot unless you're immunocompromised, maybe morbidly obese, um, have a lot of risk factors, uh, or get uh, forced into taking one. Definitely with the flu shot, you know, I wouldn't take them at the same time for sure. I mean, I've, I've heard that some people want to kind of combine them, you know, but that'd be a terrible idea. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, if you take, if you end up taking a booster and an influenza shot, I would wait um, probably three to four weeks between getting getting both of them if you want. I don't like all these vaccines at the same time. You know, they, on little kids, they, they give a bunch of shots at once and it kind of can overwhelm them a little bit. So I'm all for spacing out uh, vaccines. So um, Did you say how long in between to be safe? Uh, three to four weeks. Okay. Yeah, if you decide to get them. All right, let's go to the next one here. Uh, is it safe to leverage tramadol extended release daily for pain management? Uh, and what I what I think that means, and uh, if you're with us uh, live, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think it just means uh, what's your thoughts on tramadol for uh, pain management just in general? I'm not sure what you mean about leverage tramadol uh, shots for pain management. Um but, you know, tramadol is kind of a cousin to morphine, not supposed to be habit-forming. When it first came out, it wasn't a control, and now it is a control uh, drug and can, I think, uh, be a little bit habit-forming. I've seen some abuse of it, but some people need pain control. So, you know, um, I'm not against it for people that really, you know, have chronic severe pain. Uh, to be on tramadol um, is certainly better than being on uh, Percocet or Lortab or that class of medications. Um, so an extended release would be fa more favorable than the uh, quick release, certainly. Uh, less, probably a little less habit forming. And, you know, I don't think tramadol is a bad drug. I use it on people a lot, um, you know, because there's just not a lot out there if the non-steroidals aren't, aren't working and surgery can't correct your, you know, your problem, then some people uh, benefit. It doesn't seem to make you drowsy too much or anything. So, um, so I still don't know what you mean by leverage, but, um, you know, some people have to take it. I don't like to use chronic pain medications on many people. I'd rather kind of find out if there's a solution to the problem well, there is a there is a follow-up and this could help um help a, a little bit in clarification there uh the question is if a person is using tramadol er for pain management what would what would like uh, to transition and would like to transition to more of a natural pain management what are the steps you would take to begin that safe transition so i'm uh i'm assuming that just means transitioning off of tramadol yeah, you know that look you like? probably want to take of course like anything that you take chronically it could be habit forming. You'd want to taper down 
on the dough slowly. Um, and then maybe use some more natural stuff like curcumin, um, CBD, uh, low dose naltrexone, which you can in fact take with tramadol, believe it or not. I used, didn't used to think you could, but um, it's actually probably safe to do. Um, again, low dose naltrexone is pretty good for chronic pain. It's something that you don't hear a lot about and you certainly can't take it with opiates. Um, but, um, but it works pretty well. And then again, losing weight, if you have weight problems, uh, getting a good night's sleep, doing yoga, trying to find out why you hurt all the time, you know, maybe even doing some other things like, um, you know, with, you know, magnetic or electronic stimulation that sometimes helps acupuncture, uh, dry needling, physical therapy, um, all the more natural things to do. I'm not against medical marijuana e either. It's really not legal yet in Tennessee, but um, in most, in a lot of other states it is. So I'm not against that at all. Um, but I hope that helps you a little bit. Remember and move. When you move, you can overcome pain. Drink a lot of water. Um, De-stress. Um, try to find the root of your problem. There's a lot of other procedures you can get, like, you know, nerve ablations uh, on the, for chronic pain, uh, PRP injections, which we do, in joints. Um, you know, uh, stem cells. You can go to places and get stem cells. You can't really do them. There's a fine line on doing stem cell replacement. But uh, try to get to the root of the problem. Try to transition off potentially habit-forming medications. Again, I'm not against tramadol. It has use for sure. Uh, so um, chronic pain's a it's it's a problem. It really is. Yeah, it's a um, man. It's a it's a it's a real problem in 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 Upper East Tennessee and uh, opioid abuse. Unfortunately, you know, there's there's a lot of people like you said who really need uh, oh, yeah. I mean, some of these pain medications. Yeah, certainly, certainly they do. All right, okay. we we got to move to the next one here. We're gonna try to try to go rapid fire for a few so we can get to these live questions. Um, if we have recently recovered from COVID, uh, most likely the Delta variant, how immune should we be against all other variants of COVID and for how long? Probably pretty darn immune um, and maybe for a lifetime. Um, you know, it's not going to show up on your, your antibody test uh, uh, for probably more than, you know, nine months or so, but you have these memory T cells when you get the real COVID and come through it fine that kind of hide out in your bone marrow and, and they come out when challenged with uh, COVID and similar viruses. Like you say, the, the Delta variant is probably 0 0.3 different than the Alpha. So they're all kind of similar. I'm hoping that the more variants we have, the less potent they are and all. But um, this Delta variant right now, which is presumable, the one that's people are getting sick with, you know, there's, it's really peaking right now. I mean, it's unbelievable how much we're treating on a daily basis. Um, COVID is just unbelievable how it's, you know, it just shows you from all these people that have had COVID 40 plus million have had documented COVID um, 195 million have had at least one shot. I think 170 million 
fully vaccinated, and yet we're at the peak right now. We're seeing as many as we saw in January. Our hospitals are, are getting full again with it, and um, people are on ventilators. So it's a real thing. Um, so, again, I still think the best-case scenario, if you get a mild case of COVID, recover fine from it, is the best protection you have because you're protected against the five parts of that uh, COVID um, capsule, not just the spike protein that the vaccine protects against or supposedly protects you against it. The vaccine, uh, we, as, as you see, is not protecting against getting uh, COVID and it's not protecting against transmission at all. Now, it may protect you against death from COVID, uh, hopefully. If you look at the Is Israeli studies, it's not working too good for that either. But um, so it's an unfolding story. We certainly hope that vaccines will, will help prevent death in people. Um, so, you know, it's a risk versus benefit thing. But remember uh, that where there's risk, there should be choice. So certain people, if they choose not to get the vaccine, certainly have that right. Um, so we're just hoping for you know, other treatments, new treatments. And I'm sure we'll talk about this because we will just as of this week, uh, we've had, uh, the, uh, outpatient monoclonal antibody injections that you can get. Hold, uh, hold off on that because I want to, I want to make sure we, we dedicate some time to that. I know okay. there's people out there right. who want to know more about Regeneron. Um, so this is a question that has to do with antibodies. Uh, my husband tested positive for antibodies and they told us they were faint, what does that mean? Are there different types of antibodies? Well, that's a good question because now, you know, they're getting tighter. So you'll kind of know um, how high your titer is of those, uh, the B cell uh, antibodies that they measure for. Again, you can't, on a normal test, they don't check for T cell immunity, which is the more important one, but the B cells, which are more immediate, uh, but they don't last as long as in your bloodstream. And when you have a vaccine, they're not going to show up at all, really. So I haven't found them to. Um, so when you get COVID, those, those B cell antibodies um, are going to be in your system for months. Uh, some people, I've seen them disappear within three months. Some people, 18 months, they still have them. So now they give you a titer or a number. The higher, the more, uh, the more B cells you have, and supposedly the more immune you are to it. So, gosh, I've had people... Um, and now the Quest Lab that we're that we use are, are giving us a number. So if if you have a good number like a thirty or a hundred, that's pretty good. You know, if you have a, a three or or so, that's not as good. I saw a guy today that had over a thousand. His antibody level was over a thousand. So it's the same type of antibody they're measuring. They're just giving you a number of how potent that antibody. Um, number is so uh that's kind of a good thing to watch you know we're going to just watch them and see what happens and i'm hoping to get that test um it may have to come through lab core on on the t-cell immunity i assume it's going to be an expensive test that insurance won't cover but can't wait to kind of get that and start following that too but uh but that might the higher the better on that so you probably you know had uh, COVID and you had antibody checked and you're still good. So, but they were faint, meaning that, that, uh, those B cell antibodies are, are waning. So, 
you know, that may help you make a decision on what to do next, uh, whether or not you decide to get the vaccine or the booster or um, take weekly ivermectin or maybe even keep your own immune system healthy so that you can fight off a virus like you're supposed to anyway. But again, this is not a normal virus. So it's a man-made enhanced probably virus that leaked out of a lab. At least that's what I think. And, you know, again, that's just my opinion, but it seems to be the opinion of, of a lot of people that this is no normal virus. So uh, do anything you can to keep your immune system um, healthy. And then if you get COVID, you know, follow early treatment. And let's, uh, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, prophylactic ivermectin. This is a great question that we're getting a lot. Um, what is the recommended doses for ivermectin to be take pro, to be taken prophylactically for a healthy, very active 125 pound, 31 year old female? Uh, we have six milligram tablets. Is a, is it a milligram to body weight ratio? Yeah. You know, we use body weight for both treatment and prophylaxis and, you know, for, for your, um, size, um, you can probably take, to be honest with you, 12 milligrams. So take two of those tablets. And right now during the, the surge, take it twice a week. That's certainly what I'm doing. Um, and then when it, when this surge is over, uh, go back to once a week, like we used to do. So, you know, we do, do use body weight, um, for ivermectin. And the reason, you know, why the FDA is coming out against this great drug that we use for many reasons, for many years, um, one of the top 10 WHO proclaimed drugs in the world history. Um, I don't know why they, why they don't want you to use it, but I think it certainly helps. It's, it doesn't work a hundred percent of the time. Certainly nothing does. Um, but, uh, even the, the IV remdesivir you get in the hospital at, at $3,000 a dose really hasn't shown to be effective hardly at all. So um, I think the FDA, maybe they just don't want people going to tractor supply and getting it, you know, through paste and putting it on their tongue, which some people do. Don't do that. You can get, you know, you know, branded ivermectin or compounded ivermectin, you know, at the drugstore through a prescription where it can be monitored and given in the right dose. So I'm certainly a proponent of ivermectin, both as prophyl three, three things, as prophylaxis prevention, as treatment, and also we're using it for long haulers. I'm seeing some great results for long COVID treatment with ivermectin. So um, just do it under a physician uh, who knows what they're doing, has experience with it. All right. This is, I, I like this question and put this in here because um, we actually put out a, a video on it today uh, on our YouTube channel. Um, it's about melatonin uh, in the, in the COVID protocol. It's also a part of our stay healthy protocol series, which we, we just began today. Uh, so if you're not signed up for our email list, make sure you uh, email me, uh, Ben at, M sorry, Ben at performancemedicine.net. Just put in the subject line email list. I'll add you to that. We're doing a, a stay healthy protocol series, um, hopefully for uh, the next while. We're going to do our best to focus a lot on prevention. Um, so why, why does melatonin work um, for, for COVID in particular? I think this is where they were coming from. Yeah, go to the note today. But um, yeah, melatonin turns out it's, a, it's not just for sleep. Um, it's a hormone that um, is also a great antioxidant. It helps regulate your immune system. Um, and it's just, 
it's just one of those kind of anti-aging type uh, hormones that decreases as you get older. As you get older, that's when your immune system uh, kind of wanes a little bit and lack of melatonin is probably one reason for that. Um, so it's just a, it's a great anti-inflammatory as well. I mean, they're studying it for use for all these different diseases, including cancer, Alzheimer's, autism. Um, I had a, one of my patients today who's a scientist dropped me by an article that was really interesting. You know, we, we've been telling women with breast cancer to take up to 20 milligrams a night for it, which seems like a high dose. But um, if you look at some of the some of the studies, uh, if you do a deep dive, um, you can use much higher doses very safely. Um, you know, this, he takes like 140, 160 milligrams a day of it with no side effects. He's been doing this for years. So don't go out and start doing that. But um, certainly it's a very safe drug that used at even higher doses. So all this, all this research is going on right now with melatonin. So great i want to thank him for bringing that by really interesting um and what so. we'll do is we will if i if i have some what, what we'll do is we'll put that we'll put a link to that note in the in the comment section uh at some point uh during this show i i assure you so you guys can check that out um the video of the video of dr rogers talking about is on youtube um okay let's go to to this um just real quick what's your thought on the pharmacies not filling uh ivermectin um just a you think it's just a political thing um well the pharmacists are kind of you know i guess drinking the kool-aid they're feeding that they're, they're being fed uh by the cdc on this thing um a lot of misinformation um so you know a pharmacist legally doesn't have to fill any prescription they don't want to but uh so my uh, i don't know if it's political or you know, they're scared of losing their job because the big wigs, uh, you know, the suits are telling them not to do it um, because they're in with big pharma or whatever, you know. So I'm not in with big pharma or anything else. I'm just there for the patient. So that, that's why I speak out like I do. I have no incentive to, you know, I certainly don't make money off of ivermectin. I don't sell it. So uh, who knows? But um, this misinformation um, you know, it's, it's not FDA approved for, uh, for COVID and, uh, but so are, there are not a lot of other things FDA approved for COVID that and, everybody's using. So, and I will say, I, I got an email, um, from, from someone in our community, uh, this past week, uh, who put together a, a pretty good list of, of pharmacies who are filling it. So we're trying to gather up all that information as we, uh, continue to, uh, you know, fight this. So thank you. And thank you for that. Uh, if you're, if you're out there, uh, watching, yeah, you're, tonight. You're, you're more likely to get, uh, to get it filled, especially if you're out of state, which we're having problems with calling in prescriptions out of state. It's just been an unbelievable nightmare for my staff to try to do this for out of state patients, even sometimes out of the area patients, but, you know, go to your local, uh, local pharmacies. It seems like the big chains like CVS and Walgreens, you know, or they're, they're the ones that um, really are, are tough to deal with at times. Um, you know, they, they, they prefer robots dispensing their prescriptions, I think, than humans. So 
you want to go somewhere where you know your pharmacist, where they'll talk with you, you know, and try to help you out, you know, and uh, have common sense. So. Um, all right, let's go to the next one here. Um, how long is incubation if you have been exposed to someone who is COVID positive? Uh, three to five days, usually, sometimes longer. Um, this Delta variant seems to be a little quicker on the incubation period. So, you know, if you've been exposed to a household member, what I recommend is that you take an immediate dose of ivermectin and repeat it 48 hours later. And if, you know, if you're kind of worried about infecting other people, um, again, you, you may have to stay and stay quarantined for a little bit if, if somebody in your household has it. Um, but my recommendation besides that is to get tested, get, get a, get a test at, at uh, day three and then repeat it, uh, uh, day five and then maybe day seven, just to see if you, you may come down with it. And again, early treatment's the best. So, um, great question. All right. Thank you for that. Um, I, I put this up here because we've gotten a few questions, uh, regarding just, uh, doses. So real quickly, just run through us again, uh, vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, quercetin, and NAC doses, uh, during this surge, this is a preventative question. Well, C, actually you could take vitamin C. If you came down with COVID or flu or cold or anything, one good strategy is to take a thousand milligrams of vitamin C every hour until you feel better. But in general, um, I like when you get COVID 2000, uh, twice a day, um, which is not a bad dose just to keep on board right now during the surge. Otherwise, a thousand twice a day, split it up into two doses. The D you can take all at one time. Uh, I'm taking 10,000 now with K um, during the surge. Usually a do good doses, 5,000 a day. When you get code, I'm going to put you on 50,000 a day for five days. Zinc, uh, just to, as a daily dose for prevention, 50, uh, for when you have COVID, I go to 75, sometimes a hundred, um, take it with food, uh, quercetin, uh, I think 500 milligram is fine. Knack. I have to look on my bottle of knack. I'm not it's sure. So fun, it's so funny. We, we've gotten, the, we've gotten that question a few times and, and about the knack dose. And, uh, it seems like that's the one you never can remember is the oh, knack. Oh, I need dose. to have my bottle around with me. Uh, <laughs> Just take one pill a day. We're actually going to, I think we're going to do a, um, a whole common sense MD episode on NAC. So, uh, we can, we can definitely, um, put the dose in, in there. Uh, but if we'll, if, if, if anybody knows, hey, uh, Katie's with us, what's up, Katie, uh, Rose with us, uh, what's up, Roseanne over in Knoxville. If anybody know, knows the, the NAC dose, put it in the comments there. Um, so let, let's, let's move forward here just real quick because I want to get to live questions. Uh, is 10,000 IUs of vitamin D per day too much? No, not at all. Not at all. Just check your levels, though. I mean, the only way you know how much you're absorbing is to check your blood levels. And I'd like to see a blood level definitely of, uh, over 60, uh, maybe 100s, 90 to 100 is probably more optimal. Um, so, you know, if you got really hadn't, Patients the other day, level was 140, uh, but they were taking too much, and which is fine. It it'd take a lot more than that to really cause a lot of harm, but you could form kidney stones, you know, and have some stomach issues with it. So, um, no, 10,000 is not too much, but check your levels and see. 
All right. Thank you for that. It came over on Instagram. Um, next one is my husband tested positive for antibodies and they told us, Oh shoot, I've, I've already, um, I've already asked that one. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I think we froze up there a second minute. In the meantime, I did get a bottle oh, for Mac and it's, it's a uh, 600 milligram, the one I take. So, Oh, and, and there we go. Uh, Katie did it for us as well. Uh, so thank okay. you guys. Uh, NAC is 600 uh, milligrams. Uh, and you know what? I'm just going to do it here too. Brandy, Brandy knew it too. Uh, 600 Brandy, milligrams. See all these smart, see all these smart people. You know, they're fine. <laughs> we appreciate you guys. That's awesome. Uh, so 600 milligrams on the NAC. Um, okay. Let's get to a few, few more here. I've, I've kind of bounced around. Um, let's see. Uh, this was an interesting one. Um, so as far as a female hormone lab draw, I didn't put the whole question off, uh, on it, but I'll read it. Uh, cause I thought this was really fascinating. Um, the question is, um, if you have, uh, hormones drawn for women, uh, for hormone therapy to check levels who still have cycles and day 19 through 21 are the best days. What day should you have them drawn if things aren't right and one month it is 31 days and the next couple of cycles don't make it to 19 because the cycle started on day 14? Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, if you have a normal 28-day cycle, the best days I like to uh, have you draw it between days 19 and 21, maybe 19 and 23, as long as I know what day it was. The first day one is the first day of your menstrual cycle, but a lot of people just have, don't have periods or have really irregular cycles. So, you know, you just kind of do what you can. The last half of the cycle is always going to be about 14 days, but from ovulation. So if you can get it about a week after ovulation, if you can kind of figure that out, that'd be good. But, you know, we can usually figure it out um, when we talk to you about your different cycles and what the levels are during that time. So it's still very useful even if you can't get it uh, during that those days. So. But general rule of thumb is a week after ovulation, if you can figure that out. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's get uh, one more in here. Then we're going to go to to the the live questions. So if you're, if you're with us here live, thank you so much. We really appreciate uh, you hanging out with us. We do this every single Tuesday at 7 p.m., um, we're, we take live questions. So if you have a question for Dr. Rogers, we're going to try to get to as many of those as we can. Uh, so go ahead and put those in the comments. Um, let's see here. This last question here, a new study suggesting serum vitamin D study, sorry, a new study suggesting serum vitamin D levels should be increased to 80 to 100 nanograms per milliliter to significantly reduce the inflammatory marks of COVID-19. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I agree that 100%. We just talked about vitamin D levels. That's where I like them to be. And so especially with like, that's why I give so high a dose at first, um, 50,000 a day for the first five days. Uh, I really want to get your levels up there because it, it is very anti-inflammatory. Um, so very interesting. All right, let's squeeze this one, this one in here. What is a better way to lower cholesterol other than a statin drug? Um, I mean, there's other ways besides statins, of course. Um, you know, uh, phenofibrate uh, uh, tricor is actually a pretty good COVID long hauler drug, too, as maybe a, a statin. I mean, people on statins seem to do better with COVID than a lot of other people. You know, I'm not... 
I don't think everybody needs to be on statin by any means because it causes a lot of side effects. So if you have known heart disease with a stent or bypass or, you know, it's the anti-inflammatory effects of the statin is probably beneficial to you. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's other ways. Uh, I like hawthorn. I think berberine also helps as well as sugar levels. Um, aged garlic, I think, is good. Um, you know, niacin is probably my favorite. Um, and somebody asked me today a question about are they protected with the non-flush niacin? No, not against, it won't lower your cholesterol, but um, it, that's niacinamide, which has a, a lot of other good anti-aging benefits, but it's not going to lower your cholesterol. Um, so again, when you're thinking about cholesterol, you know, your body does need cholesterol. So, you know, get, get a Cleveland heart panel that shows the size of your cholesterol and some of the other markers that are important get a CT calcium scan to see if you have any at least calcium deposits in your coronary arteries to assess your risk factors. So somebody that has a cholesterol of 250 may have, you know, the right particle size and an APO, uh, good APOB number and a small LP little a and uh, number. So you got to look at a lot. Of, you got to look at it in more depth. You can't just say, hey, my cholesterol is 240. I need a statin. You don't. And there's other ways because statins can cause side effects, uh, including diabetes and maybe dementia. But um, they can certainly help in other ways at times. But um, the uh, overuse of statins is pretty common. It's the most prescribed Lipitor. I think it's the most prescribed drug in America. So, um, uh, but there, there can be certain benefits from using them too. Um, so. Just be smart about it. All right, great, great question there. We always uh, that that that's that's a question that a lot of people are are thinking. So we appreciate you asking that. And, and remember, as we go into the the live section here, uh, a lot of people are thinking the question that you're thinking of. So uh, your question is not only helping you; it's helping a whole lot of other people. So we appreciate it in advance. Uh, we're going to go ahead and jump into the the comments here. I'll start with this just because that's very sweet. Aletta, thank you so much. Um, uh, we really appreciate you. Thank you for the kind words there uh, over on YouTube. We appreciate that. Thank you. Um, okay, let's go to Mark. Um, we're going to start with a Mark question. What are your thoughts on pulse D therapy, the use of high dose 60,000 IUs orally for 8 to 10 days to increase the serum vitamin D? Yeah, I like it. You know, I think it's a great, great idea. I like to load sometimes, especially somebody I see that they come in for Cleveland their vitamin D is – 10, you know, or 20 even, I'll give them a vitamin, I'll give them 50,000 of D3 intramuscularly right there at the office to get them kind of boosted because it, it takes a while to build up uh, with uh, orally, certainly. So uh, good question. Mark, thank you as always for, for hanging out with us on, on Tuesday nights. Um, Come on, Mark, there's nothing harder that you have tonight than that. Come on. <laughs> I'm kidding. I can assure you, Mark, he's kidding. No, Mark, don't send any more. Don't send any more, not tonight. I'm too tired. It's a long day. <laughs> um, all right, let's get to the to the next one here. Uh, let me see where I can find a, a question. Uh, we, thank you. What's up, Kathy? Good to see you. Uh, let's go. Let's get Kathy's question here. Um, what do you consider morbidly obese? Um, well, you know. 
a BMI of 40 or more. BMIs are just weight for your height, so it's not a great measurement. Uh, doesn't consider, you know, body fat percentage, etc. But um, you know, but I would say 40 or so. But um, you know, it's so subjective. I, I look at at waist size more than I do anything because belly fat. It's an inflammatory organ, really. It puts out all kinds of inflammatory mediators. It's just terrible for your health. So, um, you know, gosh, I would say anybody with a, a waist size of 40 uh, inches also, to me, would be morbidly obese. Um, and that doesn't mean you're going to die tomorrow because you say morbid. You know, morbidly obese is a bad term, I think. Uh, but you know, you, you know what, that's actually, a, it's a good segue. I, I, I had totally went over my head about Regeneron. Um, and the reason I bring it up now is because some of the qualifications have to do with BMIs. Um, you want to just explain, uh, what happened this week, uh, with Regeneron and the monoclonal oh, yeah. antibodies? Yeah. You know, when somebody comes down with COVID and if you get them within the first five days, maybe 10 days. Um, and they have a lot of risk factors, like uh, if they're diabetic, have heart disease, kidney disease, or morbidly obese. Um, did I say diabetes? Yeah. What else? Cancer. Um, then they're at high risk for doing bad with COVID. So we've sent people over for months now to get an infusion of uh, monoclonal antibodies. These are antibodies that work against COVID. And, now, this is once they've tested po positive, correct? Yeah, they have to have a positive test to get it. But they've been kind of restrictive on who gets them. Or, or if you're over 65, you can also get them. So I could get them. I would get them. If I got COVID, I would definitely get monoclonals. Uh, but the, the infusion, you do it at, uh, at the hospital, not in the ER or anywhere like that. But they have a special places for uh, these IV infusions, it takes an hour. Um, and I think it's very helpful. I've had a lot of patients that I've sent and the next day they felt a whole lot better. Um, but you got to get it early. You got to qualify for it. Um, so the, the problem has been the qualification. Now, as of last, this past weekend, uh, it got approved for uh, monoclonal antibody shots uh, Regeneron is a company that makes them. So it's, it's four subcutaneous shots at the same time. Well, one, two, three, four, uh, they can, they can't give it one shot because it's, it's 10 milliliters of stuff. So you get in four different places, but you know, boom, one right after another. And then you wait for an hour and make sure you observe any kind anytime you give an antibiotic shot or anything, like that you want to observe in case you get a rare reaction from it. But uh, so I've sent a few people already for this shot. You can get it. There's, there's a place in Johnson city, a pharmacy that you get it in. Um, hopefully they're going to be popping up all over the place. I know in Florida, the governor down there has set up all these different sites for that. So you go and you wait in the parking lot um, and they give you the shot while you're in your car. Um, and, you wait for an hour and uh, then you drive off. Uh, but I think it's, it's probably not 
quite as good as the IV infusion, but it's certainly, I think, maybe a game changer for a lot of people that because they're relaxing the qualifications a little bit, anybody with a BMI over 25, uh, because I spoke to the pharmacist that's doing it in Johnson City, they'll accept. So if you have a BMI of over 25, um, regardless, I think it's pretty good. I mean, so and if you have any of those other risk factors, certainly you're a candidate. So um, and I'm sure they're going to be popping up all over the place in different cities. So we're hopeful. Or we're finding out kind of where you can go. I'm sure they're going to be in in Kingsport, Knoxville, Nashville. They're going to be everywhere. And hopefully, I'm hoping it's a game changer. Uh, you know, so All it's right. just logistics. So. Thank you for, for explaining that. Um, and I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about a lot more about that in the coming weeks. When we get to, to Misty's question here, are gummy vitamins just as effective as pill form? Um. Probably you can check your levels and see, um, certainly. Usually you think of gummies as being for kids, so they're probably a little less potent. But um, so, you know, just check your levels and see. I certainly have nothing against gummy vitamins. A lot of people don't like to swallow. They, yeah. they get stuck in their throat, so it's certainly a great alternative. Or, you know, a sublingual under-the-tongue formulation, especially if vitamin D is really good. Probably get levels better than that than swallowing uh, your pill for sure. So I'm okay with gummies. Thank you for that, Misty. Um, let's see here. Let's get um, let's get Brandy's question up here. Uh, Brandy asked, "Do do you counsel nutritional plans or diets for breastfeeding moms to help lose weight?" Obviously, asking for someone else who is not me. Uh oh. Okay. Well. Um, question um you might have stumped him brandy (laughs) yeah i mean i'll counsel anybody for diet plan i don't care if you're breastfeeding or not if you're overweight i give you some good good plans with breast you know you don't want to get on too much of a really strict diet when you're breastfeeding for sure so um but i can you know either me or my staff can certainly look into that we like to find out if you're insulin resistant so you know, you don't want to deprive the baby of nutrients, of course. You don't want to go on a, you know, crazy crash diet or limit your calories too much. But, you know, in most cases, and you probably don't want to do uh, fasting while you're doing this, even intermittent fasting, probably not. But you, most people need to lower their carbs a little bit and, um, and so, so on and so forth. But, yeah, great question. Certainly, we, we, will, we will do some nutritional counseling for that. Thank you for that, Brandy. Um, Johnny uh, asked a question. You, you've talked a, a little bit about monoclonal treatment. I'm, so my, my assumption is that your answer is yes to this one. Yeah, I like it. Um, he's a fan of, of monoclonal treatment. Thank you for that, Johnny. Um, let's see here. Let's see where we got. All right, Nikki asks, how are you treating patients who develop respiratory problems, bronchitis or pneumonia, with this new strand of the virus to keep them out of the hospital, Simbicort, steroids, z All the above. Um, certainly early treatment, you know, you don't want this, your lungs to get inflamed. That's, that's how it kills people. The virus gets in, your lungs get inflamed, then you get the blood clotting. 
problem. So certainly um, use Zithromax or doxycycline to start out with. Um, I don't like to use steroids until after day five. The timing of the steroids is important. You know, steroids may not even work too late as well. So, and I've learned to push the dose a little bit during that time from day five on. Um, and, um, you know, before you get a lot of secondary uh, bacterial secondary infections, when steroids actually may hamper the, the uh, antibiotic treatment. So the timing's important. Um, of course, follow your uh, pulse ox. You got to have a pulse oximeter. Um, of course, I use inhaled steroids. I like budesonide via nebulizer um, uh, and Simbacort sure is an asthma medicine that has, of course, has steroids in it. Um, I use a lot of vitamins. Um, sometimes I use, I, I always use aspirin and sometimes even uh, heavier anticoagulants to prevent blood clotting. And um, so, yeah, I mean, you're on the right track for sure. We want to keep you out of the hospital. We've sent uh, several people home oxygen as well. So keep an eye on those PO2s very closely. Um, so, and ivermectin, of course, helps as well. All right. Thank you for that. Let's get to Cassandra's question here. Um, we got a, a, a few questions about, you know, kind of uh, younger people in terms of just prevention vitamins. Uh, is it kind of the same list, maybe besides snack? Yeah. I mean, at 15 years old, that's basically an adult. So I would treat them the same way that I do an adult, to be honest with you, unless they weighed 70 pounds or something. But yeah, um, definitely DC, zinc, maybe quercetin, maybe NAC, you know. Um, NAC's not so much a, as a preventive as it is a treatment. Also, it's great for long haulers. So if you can't get the NAC, don't, don't worry too much about it. But certainly if you get COVID or if you have a long hauler, you want NAC in there with it. So um, great question. Great question. Let's get to this one real quick. Um, Remy asked, uh, my husband had COVID in December, still has antibodies. Myself nor our two kids got it during that. Even if we don't show antibodies, is it possible that we gain some type of immunity just for being ex exposed? That's a good question. Yeah, I've had people that had positive tests and never developed antibodies. I don't know why, but um, they just didn't have an antibody response. But uh, like I say, um, you're, being exposed is a good thing. And I personally think we've all been exposed to this virus by now. I mean, I really do. That's why I think it's ridiculous when you walk down the street and somebody's wearing a mask outdoors. You know, that's just a sign of fear, nothing else. Um, but uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, I wish I could check T-cell antibodies on everybody. Um, so, and, and again, I think probably 15% of the population is not going to get COVID because of genetics. They just won't get it. I have so many uh, husband and wife pairs. One will get it. The other one will never get it. They sleep in the same bed and all this stuff, and one will get it. The other one will never get it. So there's a certain amount of resistance um, to, to COVID, a certain segment of the population. Uh, maybe those people that, you know, eat dirt and stuff that uh, 
you know, that go, go the natural way where, you know, they get out there and they expose themselves to all this stuff. So they'll have a good innate immunity. I actually, I have a funny story about that. My, my brother, Andy, who's, uh, he's, uh, our PA over in the Johnson city office. He actually tried, um, he actually tried some of that stuff in terms of just exposing himself to dirt and, and I think he ended up breaking out pretty badly and having kind of a rough week. Um, so, yeah. so don't take the eat dirt advice. Yeah, yeah don't, don't go eating dirt. Um, there, is be, a, there is a good book on that. It's called Eat Dirt. But, uh, you know, Dr. McCary at Johns Hopkins, who I mentioned quite a bit, um, talks a lot about uh, your, and he wrote a book about, you know, trusting your innate immunity to fight off viruses. And um, he, he's just an interesting guy. He's a, he's a heavy hitter. And, you know, a lot of the information that that I pass on to people comes from him because nobody's going to question him. And uh, actually some of the advice I gave in one of the podcasts that kind of got pulled from YouTube was, was his advice, you know. So, and at which I got, a, I got a little heat on that one. <laughs> You know about who should get the vaccine and who who doesn't really need the vaccine. So um, there's a lot of different people get crazy about this. Let, let's get to Bianca's question here because it's going to answer a few people's questions. Uh, but if even even if antibodies are negative, we may still have the T cell immunity. Is that correct? Oh, for sure. Yes. Okay. Yes. Without a doubt. Cool. A so doubt. that's a that's a yes, Bianca. If you've had COVID, you're going to have T cell immunity. Um, uh, for sure. But even if the antibodies were negative, but they've tested positive yeah. for COVID. Got it. Yeah. And I hope to get this test. LabCorp, if you can talk to them, I talked to one of the reps this week. If we, if we can get them to run this test at a reasonable price, you know, we'll run a lot of T-cell antibodies to see if it correlates pretty well. But uh, um, Okay. Karen asks, uh, any adverse events to watch for with ivermectin? Um. I think I've had one or two that maybe had a little headache with it. Of course, you can get nauseous with anything you put on your stomach. Um, certainly don't go to Tractor Supply and get the cream. That can make you sick at your stomach. Um, you know, I mean, if you take certain really rare, if you take an anticoagulant like Coumadin, you may be a little cautious with it because you got to check your protons a little more frequently. It could interact with that. Um, and one important point I want to make here, um, because I love quercetin, and it's one of the things that I use when I treat COVID. But I do want you to separate your dose of ivermectin from your quercetin, okay? Because there is a small drug-to-drug interaction there. Um, you may not get the benefit. So if you're taking both, just take one in the morning and one at night. Just separate the time when you take the ivermectin and the quercetin. Uh, I think I put that in one of the notes, but uh, make sure that you do that. It'll just be more effective and it, and it won't wipe out, you know, the, the, but you, the effects of either one of them. But you can still take it on the same day? Just separate? Oh, yeah. Yeah, just separate them by about 12 hours if you can. Okay. So ivermectin and quercetin, separate the doses. The other thing, um, I guess the original question was, um, uh, any adverse you know, events, the, the adverse, I'm trying to think of any, uh, Oh, if you're on a crazy anti-seizure medicine, like dilantin or certain off the wall, antifungals, 
you know, let me or your provider know if you're going to take ivermectin, you know, we may, we may not use it, um, at that time, uh, maybe something else. So, um, but, uh, can, can you real quickly for, for Kathy here, um, on YouTube, can you put up the bottle of NAC, uh, just so they see, uh, what oh. it, what it is? Uh, so, so Kathy, that's a, a life extension. Um, you can get that up, you know, anywhere. Uh, inacetyl L-cysteine, uh, and it looks like 600 milligrams. If that helps, uh, hopefully that helps, Kathy. Um, okay, so let's go to uh, the next one here. Try to get in as many as we can. Um, and I think this might answer your question, Carol. Um, you've mentioned taking that before. Where can we get it? And there are any conditions, medications that would be a reason to not take it? Any reason not to take it? Unless you're allergic to it. You know, we, our office can't, can't get it in right now. It's so popular. But you can go to any health food store or pharmacy that stocks a lot of vitamins and probably pick it up there. Um, you may even be able to order it, although they're backlogged now. They're backordered. So it's kind of hard to get. I know I ran out in the office, but... Um, you know, I, I can't think of anybody I wouldn't put on NAC unless you have an allergic reaction to it. Um, unless you just, again, if you take any vitamin or any supplement, you feel bad, don't take it. Yeah. Um, and add your vitamins, you know, one at a time. Don't add them all new ones on the same day in case you do feel bad. I mean, you can have a reaction to anything, a food, a vitamin, a supplement, anything. Um, Alice asked, have you heard of plexus supplements? If so, do you know if they are safe to take with a thyroid condition slash thyroid disorders? Yeah, plexus are good. They're good. I like plexus. It's a good company. And I don't know of any um, contraindications of taking it with a thyroid disorder. You got to be careful about taking, um, if you have Hashimoto's, sometimes if you eat a lot of broccoli or cauliflower, cruciferous vegetables, um, then you can kind of affect the, uh, the thyroid a little bit. So just don't overdo it with those supplements and eat too much of that. If you have a goiter, it can make your goiter worse or Hashimoto's worse. Just check your levels and keep an eye on them. Uh, but certainly otherwise they're great supplements. All right. We're going to take just a few more here, guys. Uh, where do you recommend testing rapid versus PCR? Um, what's your, Real quick answer to that one. Um, you know, the PCR supposedly is a better test. They both are not the greatest things in the world. Uh, the PCR is probably um, a little better test. The problem with the PCR is you have to go somewhere where they're going to report it, and they start doing all this crazy contract tracing and all that. Um, and sometimes it takes a while to get it back. The rapid test, I mean, pretty much if you – have symptoms and you get a rapid test, you can get them at CVS for, for 20 bucks. Um, and if it's positive, you have the symptoms, pretty much you have COVID. So, you know, there are some false negatives. So if you still have symptoms, keep checking. You know, one may not do it. The one that CVS puts out, I think, is a two. Uh, actually, they check you twice for it. So um, if you think you have it, keep checking the rapid test or and then maybe going for a PCR. And uh, so the, the PCR is probably a little more accurate. There's still a lot of false positive and false negatives. But if you're positive for either one and you have the symptoms, you pretty much need to go ahead and treat it. 
Good question. Thank you for that. Uh, Moretta asks, I keep hearing about gut health to keep the immune system strong. What do you recommend, prebiotic versus probiotic? Yeah, of course, both. You need that plus some other stuff. Prebiotics, are, think of that as food for the probiotics. Um, but certainly, 80% uh, of your immune system is located in your gut. So your gut tells your brain what to do. So that balance of good versus bad uh, bacteria, your gut microbiome is what we call it, is very important in preventing autoimmune diseases and enhancing your own natural immunity. So I think every human should be on a probiotic. Uh, and, and the one I like, of course, I talk all the time is digestial because it has the right amount of pre and probiotics. Um, it also has digestive enzymes to help you break down fats especially, but also protein and carbs. It has a gluten blocker, a dairy blocker, and a lectin blocker. So I love digestion. I can't tell you how many guts we've been able to clear up with uh, that supplement. Um, but uh, so, yeah, uh, think about your gut health. You know? and, and I will say, Moretta, if, if you want to really do a deep dive on gut health, go to uh, shieldnutra.com. Um, they actually sell it's shield Nutra's who, who makes digest shield and their website is an encyclopedia for, uh, for gut health. And you can actually buy digest shield on their site. Uh, so shieldnutra.com, uh, check that out. It is a, it's a wealth of information. Um, there's the, there's the hang bottle on, right hang there. On, hang on. This is what I love. There we go. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, or get, or if you have a lot of gut problems, get a GI map. Um, I handed out a couple today, which is a stool test, and then go to um, our wonderful nurse practitioner, Robin Riddle, and she'll straighten your gut out. She's really helped a lot of people. She's an expert with gut health, so um, very knowledgeable. Um, so if you can't get it fixed, then think about getting a GI map and look at some of that. And I, we, we had a, a question about the GI map. Let me see if I can find it. Um, I didn't put that up there, did I? I uh, must have must have missed that. Uh, let's see here. Um, there is a GI map question. We have a um, an explain this episode with Robin on uh, the GI map, I believe, um, that goes into detail. Uh, let's see if I can find it. Um, well, looks like I cannot find it for some reason. Um, okay, let's get to a, a couple more. Then I'm, then I'm going to let Doc go here. Um, there was one about zinc, um, and there we go. Kimberly asked, what is the best advice on controlling upset stomach when taking the zinc? I have taken, I've taken it with food and still have upset stomach for a couple of hours. What's your, what's your thoughts? Yes. On that? Zinc's notorious for upsetting your stomach, especially with nausea. So take it with, with your biggest meal of the day and maybe just drop down to 30 milligrams with it. Um, you know, so just take a lower dose. Um, you can even chew up th these lozenges, like I think it's 20 milligram uh, zinc lozenges. You kind of just put them in your mouth and it gives you a weird taste in your mouth. I've done that before, but uh, just do the best you can with that. Um, you know, I suppose you could take some ginger with it uh, and that would probably help you too, or even get some ginger first and uh, I have these ginger tablets I love 
and uh, take that maybe to get your stomach ready for it. And don't take it on an empty stomach, no matter what you do. Go down in your dose to 30 milligram uh, and see how you tolerate that. Um, love it when Heather's here. Heather, how you doing? It's, it's so good to, to see you uh, again on the Tuesday night show. Uh, Heather says we are now offering Regeneron to our patients via subcutaneous route versus IV. Is this as good? Uh, you did a little riff on that b- before, but I, I just kind of got pumped to see that they're it. doing it. I love it. Yeah, I love that. Um, so, yeah, I think probably the IV is a little more potent. But what we're finding is that it, it's hard to get in to get them. I mean, you know, it's, it's a lot of work for us and for you. And you got to go up there and get it done. And, you know, it's just crazy hard to get it done. But it's probably a little more potent. Remember, anything you can put in an IV is probably going to be a little more potent. That's why we do a lot of IV vitamin infusions uh, today. And, I mean, patients immediately feel better. Um, gosh, I had one today that just within 15 minutes of getting his Myers, he's, he's starting to feel a lot better. Um, uh, so, yeah, but I, I'm really pumped up about this sub-Q form. I think it may be a game changer because it's going to be more available. And uh, I'm all for it. Thank you for – I'm hoping that uh, we can we can send a whole lot of people over for those. Um, it does require a doctor's note, I think, to get it. So um, – Thank you for, for that, Heather. And Heather, I, I, believe, uh, I believe, nurse practitioner um, in, in Georgia. It's good to good to connect oh, awesome. with. Good awesome. to connect right. with. She's in, she's in Georgia. Um, so so thank you for that, Heather. So good to see you. Those Georgia people are always way ahead of us. They're so ahead of us. You know, I um, mean, you know it's kind of like California. You know, the future starts in California. And, <laughs> and it works its way here. I, I'm putting uh, this up here uh, just because I think it's important. Um, Ann says it, it is available now, Life Extension. I'm assuming Ann's talking about NAC. Uh, so if you guys are wanting NAC, you can go to Life Extension's website. Oh, uh, good. If they, I it, hope they don't have a backwards. So I need to put another order in if they do. Um, so, so check that out. Uh, you can check their website out. Um, lifeextension.com, I'm assuming. Um, Vicki asked, what are the best supplements and or foods to combat insulin resistance? Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Oh, um, of course, the best thing to do is eat a low-carb diet and do some intermittent fasting. But uh, also, you know, um, I love insulin. Um, I love berberine. Um, I love alpha-lipoic acid. Those are the, Those are the big three that I use for you know, for supplements, for insulin resistance. Um, trying to think of anything else. So, man, those are the main ones. Uh, there's probably one out there I'm not thinking of, but, uh, you know, we've had, we've had great luck with some medications also with insulin resistance. Uh, my last patient today came in for a Cleveland review didn't even know he was a diabetic. He was a full blown diabetic, uh, did not want to take, start out with metformin. So, of course, I used berberine on him. And, uh, uh, One and thing we, we've we we talk a lot about is um, Ozempic and uh, Wegovy um, in in regards to uh, insulin resistance and, and helping with that. Uh, but that's not a it's not a supplement. Obviously, it's a medication. Uh, any any anything you want to add to that? No, you know, gosh, that's been a game changer for weight loss for many of our patients. Um, it's a week over, you know, Zimpic, the same medication. So once a week shot that works in four different ways to get your weight off of it or control your diabetes. We is marketed as a weight loss, 
um, medicine. Ozempic is just marketed as diabetic uh, medication. They're both exactly the same thing. The problem with Wegovy is you can't get it right now. That they ran it, it was so popular, and they rolled it out without having enough supply. So um, you can't even get it right now. So I'm hoping they'll get the supply chain going, and we can start using that again. For right now, we're using Ozempic. Um, let's get, yeah, it's the same medicine. Let's get one more Mark question. Any thoughts on Palmacort slash Budesonide nasal spray for a COVID treatment of loss of smell? Um, you know, what I'm using for a loss of smell or anosmia is what they call it. It's the correct term for that. Um, I use a Flonase a lot, you know, because it's over the counter. I haven't really used, you know, the Budesonide or Palmacort brand name is... Uh, more for lungs, but it's expensive. So, you know, I think probably the best way to get it um, is to, you know, just use the Flonase or Nasacort or one of those. You know, for guys like Mark that are, you know, independently wealthy, price is not of concern. So, I mean, Mark can kind of do what he wants, you know. I mean, you wouldn't even think about cost. But, um, <laughs> but for guys like me, we have to go with the cheaper stuff. So, I'll probably do Flonase, you know, if you can, if you can get, I don't even know about Budesonide being compounded for nasal spray. It's probably out there. Mark probably knows about it, but, um, but uh, so, yeah, I think it does help. Uh, the other thing I think helps for that is um, Omega-3s, uh, Ivermectin certainly can help that, uh, that loss of smell, which can last for like a year or so. Or more. There was another treatment. Sometimes they use a short course of steroids. Um, but there was one other thing that I'm using for it. I have to come up with it later. Was it X-Clear? X-Clear? No, it wasn't that. That's more for prevention. Um, but, you know, again, you can do olfactory training with, you know, re retrain your sense of smell by, you know, grabbing a bag of coffee and, and looking at it and smelling it. And you go, coffee. And, and kind of retraining your your senses like that may work, but uh, um, but those are the main things. But I, I probably wouldn't hurt you if you could get a nasal spray. That's just a nasal steroid. Because so, um, yeah. because somebody put in uh, Shill Nutri, I think it's I think it's ShillNutri dot com uh, Digest Shield's website in the comments, please. We got a few people uh, talking about that. Katie, if you're still with us. Um, yeah. Jenny behind the scenes, uh, I think it's shieldnutra.com. Um, let's get this question in real quick because it answers a few people's questions. Uh, does blood type affect the risk of severe illness from COVID? It seems to, you know, type O seems to be a little more protective. Um, really maybe against getting it, but not when it, the severity of it. It's what I've read, but I think there's other genetic factors that are probably stronger than blood type that, it. And they've actually isolated a couple of genes, but, um, you know, I'm not sure what the names of them are. I'm sure they have a list that long of six, seven, eight, eight to a J C who knows, but, um, yeah, but definitely seems to be, seems to be a little correlated with it. Um, for everyone asking about, uh, digest shield, that's the, the, um, the website there. Uh, there Katie is as well. Thank you for that, Katie. Thank you for that, uh, Bianca. Uh, put Katie up here. Uh, Shieldnutri.com about Digest Shield. Um, check that out. 
uh, especially if you're wanting to uh, learn a lot about uh, gut health, really a, a wealth of information. Uh, so, so thank you guys, doc, that's going to do it for tonight. What a show, man. That was awesome. That was a good, a lot of great questions tonight. I think some of the best we've had, but, uh, that was, that was a, a lot of fun guys. We'd really appreciate you guys hanging out with us every Tuesday. Uh, we do this Tuesday nights at seven o'clock live Q and a with Dr. Rogers. Uh, we put this up on the outside the box podcast. Uh, if you are not, if you are not subscribed to the YouTube channel, Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, it makes me happy, but more importantly, it makes my mother happy. Uh, go, go do that. We put up three shows today. We put one up on uh, Vertigo uh, with my good friend, uh, Dr. Mark Ellis, who's doing just amazing work. Uh, so you guys really need to check out that video. Uh, it's, it's called uh, The Vertigo Episode. It's with Dr. Mark Ellis. Ellis. Uh, check that out on the YouTube channel. Subscribe. We really appreciate it. Guys, this has been a blast. Uh, if you want to be on our email list, email me, uh, ben at performancemedicine.net. Put in uh, email list. I'll add you to that. Uh, we send out everything in one blast every single Tuesday at around 1230. Uh, and we're always here at 7 o'clock uh, on Facebook and YouTube doing our live show. Um, Dr. Rogers, we appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for the time. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Uh, guys, we love you back. Thank you so much for uh, for hanging out. George, thank you for being here. Uh, Brenda, thank you. Deandra, thank you. Really appreciate all the questions, guys. Uh, love you guys. We're going to see you guys next week, Tuesday, live at 7. See you, Dr. Rogers. Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.